captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? Now, someone's just been healed miraculously in chapter three. That's what they're referring to. How's this been done? Um, we know this man. He's always been a cripple as long as we've known him. And, uh, and how's this been done? That's what they're asking in verse seven. By what power or by what name have you done this? And then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, you rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which is become the head of the corner. And then look at verse 12, and that's really our text this morning. Peter says to these people, neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And you may be seated this morning. And very simply, I want to talk to you about this, uh, this subject. Can a person be saved apart from Christ? Can a person be saved apart from Christ? And so let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll jump into the Bible study this morning, and I hope it'll be a help to you. Heavenly Father, we love you. What a great service. Lord, I'm just sitting there this morning just soaking it up. And I, Lord, just sitting there thinking, wow, Lord, what a service. Uh, Lord, you've blessed us immeasurably. There's no way to even put a measuring stick on, on how you bless us here at Calvary. God, thank you for the wonderful spirit. Thank you for the incredible music. Lord, thank you for the girls' home, and, and uh, Lord, all that's been presented here. And then, Lord, we thank you for the beautiful offertory. And now, Lord, I pray that you'll help us as we take a few moments and as we dig into the Word of God, Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you'll direct us and I pray that you'll help us, and especially those who may be in this service that, that don't know for sure that they're saved, or maybe those watching by way of live stream, and they don't know for sure that they're on their way to heaven, God, I pray today would be the day that they would come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, direct our attention to your word now. Father, we love you, and we pray that you'll be praised through all that's done. In Jesus' name, we pray, and for his sake, amen. We find here in Acts chapter 4 that a great miracle has taken place, and there is one explanation. We find that all throughout uh, chapter 3 and chapter 4, there's one explanation and it is the explanation, Jesus Christ. In fact, I want to draw your attention back a page, if you will. Turn back to Acts chapter 3. And uh, these folks, these religious people are questioning Peter about this miracle, this great miracle that's taken place. 
And I'll be, I'll be honest with you, Peter actually answered their question numerous times. And he started answering the question all the way back in chapter 3. And look, if you will, at Acts chapter 3, verse number 16. The Bible says, and this is Peter speaking, he says, and his name, now look at this because this is so good, and his name through faith in his name. Now, I believe that's important right there. Did you know it's not enough just to know about Jesus? You may be here this morning and say, preacher, I know about Jesus. I went to college. I took a a religious course, and I'm uh, I'm not against that necessarily, but I will tell you this. Being saved is more than intellectual knowledge. And that's really what Peter's saying right here. He said, and his name, but didn't stop there. He says, through faith in his name hath made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yea, and Peter says it again, yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And then skip back over to Acts chapter four again and look at verse number 10. And again, Peter answers this question. How's this, been made, how's this man been made whole? In verse 10, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel but that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him. Well, there's no mistake in this. I mean, you can't, you can't say, well, you know, I don't think Peter was really talking about that. Yes, Peter was talking about that. In fact, he was very repetitive uh, and, uh, and made sure that people understood something that even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. And then Peter goes on to say that not only is this healing from the Lord, but it is salvation that is by the Lord. Look what he says, same chapter, Acts chapter four, and skip down, if you will, to to verse number, verse number 12, uh, uh, Peter says it like this, neither is there salvation, only healing, but neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And so Peter says there's no way that you and I are gonna make it to heaven apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's the question, preacher, can a person be saved apart from Christ? By the way, that's a good question. That's a good question. Especially because we're living in a day of of something called pluralism. Pluralism. And pluralism basically says this, that all roads lead to the same place. That all roads lead to heaven. And this is what pluralism teaches. It teaches that it really doesn't matter what religion you are. It doesn't matter what faith you are. As long as you have a faith. That's what pluralism says. As long as you have a faith, some type of faith, you can have any kind of faith. It doesn't have to be faith in Jesus. It can be faith in uh, in Mother Nature. It can be faith in Mother Earth. It can be faith in Allah. It can be faith in Muhammad. Uh, It can be faith in Jesus. Uh, As long as you have faith, all that faith leads to the exact same place. Uh, But I'm gonna tell you something, that's not the case at all. And Peter is very clear about that. He, he tells us that the only way that you and I are saved is by knowing Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Yeah. Somebody says, well, preacher, you know, what about though? What about, what about the Muslim? And preacher, what about the Jew? 
We're hearing a lot about the Jews right now. What about the Jew? And, and Pastor, what about the agnostic? And what about the atheist? And, and, and what about those folks? And I'll tell you this, church, and this is not the message, but I will tell you this, that it's not that God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And our Bible teaches that God will send every single person light. Every single person. If you're, a, uh, uh, if you're a Muslim and you live in a, uh, you live in a, a nation uh, of Islam, the, the Bible teaches that God will send every single person a certain amount of light. And if they respond to that light, you know what will happen? God will send them more light yeah. and more light and more light. You know why? Because God's not willing that any should perish. He wants everybody to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. But can a person be saved apart from Christ? That's the question. Um, that's what, you know, the press always wants to know that when they're interviewing a preacher. Well, you're a gospel preacher. That's right. Well, what about, what about the Muslim? What about the Jew? What about the atheist? And so I'm going to answer that question today. Can a person be saved apart from Christ? Several things that I want to say to you real quickly this morning. Number one, I want you to notice that a person can be sincere apart from Jesus Christ. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 10, and look, if you will, at verse number one with me. A person can be sincere apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 10, and, and look, if you will, with me to verse number one. Notice what the apostle Paul says here, Romans 10, verse one. He said, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. I want them to be saved. Verse two. He says about Israel, that's not saved. He says, for I bear them record. Now watch this, Calvary. For I bear them record that they have a what? That they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. And so you know what Paul is saying here about these people? They are sincere. They're sincerely jealous. But Paul said they're misguided. They're lost. Yes, they're very sincere. They're very sincere about what they believe. But this is what Paul is teaching us here. It's not just important that you're sincere about what you believe, but it's important that you believe the right thing. Right. Amen. And so again, uh, just simple, simple point here this morning, but you and I, you can be absolutely 110% sincere, but you can be wrong. Old story, old story, you've heard it before. Uh, there was a, an apartment complex where a fire broke out one day and, uh, and uh, the fire departments were called. I mean, the, the, the alarm went out and the fire trucks began to run in and, and they began to uh, drop their hoses out and the firemen began to come off the trucks and, and they were girded with their, uh, with their gear and their coats and their helmets and their oxygen supplies and all those kind of things. And, and as they were getting ready to try to fight this fire, there was a lady that was outside the building and she was literally, literally just hysterical. I mean, just beside herself hysterical and, and the uh, fireman went over and he tried to calm her. He said, ma'am, it's okay. He said, we're here. We're gonna fight the fire. I know this is traumatic, but we're gonna fight the fire. Everything's gonna be okay. You're safe. And she said, you don't understand. She said, I am safe. But she said, my baby is still in the apartment. 
And that fireman began to inquire information. What apartment is it? Where's it at? What's the number? And she tried her best to try to describe where the apartment was. And that fireman, without any regard to his own life, rushed into that burning building. By this time, it was, I mean, it was engulfed in flames and the black smoke was just pouring out. And, and this uh, uh, fireman finally made his way to that apartment where that, that lady lived and literally had to get down, down on his hands and knees. He began to crawl through that apartment and made his way into the kitchen. And then he made made his way into the living room and then maybe into a restroom and, and just, I mean, just couldn't really see, couldn't hardly breathe, but he's just trying his best to find that child and finally makes his way into that little nursery and he begins to just fill around in the blackness and finally, finally, he feels that little body of that baby and he grabs that baby and he wraps it up in a, he wraps it up in a blanket and he, he uh, uh, cradles it to himself and covers it in, in, in his body and uh, makes his way back out through the flames and and by the time he gets out there where there's a crowd that has uh, that's assembled out there and they're waiting and sure enough the fireman literally comes out of the building smoke coming off of his body he takes that little bundle of joy wrapped up in that blanket and he he hands it to that mother and tears have been streaming down her cheeks and she looks at that fireman and he's a hero I mean he's a hero and she looks at that fireman and she says I'll always be indebted to you. I can't believe that you risked your life to save my baby. And she said, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. From the bottom of my heart, thank you, sir. And, and, uh, and they clapped, you know, they applauded him. And hey, you're a hero. And uh, that mama took that bundle of joy and she began to unwrap that blanket only to find out that it was a, it was a baby doll. It was a baby doll. And that baby was still in that apartment, that burning apartment, dying, burning to death. Now, the baby doll felt like a baby. And they make him feel like a baby now, don't they? It felt like a baby. It felt like a child. He thought he was doing right. That fireman, nobody would debate that. That fireman was absolutely 100% sincere. But I want you to understand something, Calvary. He was sincerely wrong. Now they applauded him and he did his best and he risked his life. He was sincere, but he was sincerely wrong. Just because you're here this morning and say, preacher, I'm sincere in what I believe, that's not enough. It's not enough just for you to be sincere. It's not enough for you to really believe something. Friend, it's important that you believe the right thing. And the right thing is the Lord Jesus. Hey, let me just... I'm gonna skip through some things here. Hey, how about this? Number, number two, a person can be successful apart from Christ. Not only can they be sincere, but they can be successful. How many have heard the name Steve Jobs? Some of you have iPhones. The rest of you we're praying for, all right? But anyway, some of you have iPhones and iPads and, and things like that. There's a fellow by the name of Steve Jobs and, and Steve Jobs is the one that uh, created, I guess, the first Macintosh computer and, and then later on, Mac and, and iPhone and iPad and, and, uh, and Apple Watch and all this uh, stuff that has come out today. Uh, of course, Steve Jobs died a number of years ago, but listen to this. They tell us that as of July 2016, it was reported that Apple, even by then, Apple had sold over one billion iPhones. Steve Jobs, at that time, I'm talking about in 2016, Steve Jobs was worth $31.6 billion, with a B. 
$31.6 billion. He owned almost 5.5 million shares of Apple stock, 31.6 billion. You say, big deal. Well, that's a pretty big deal. You say, preacher, how much is a billion? This is a billion. If you had a billion dollars and you spent $1,000 every single day, it would take you 2,740 years before you spent $1 billion. And Steve Jobs in 2016 was worth 31.6. According to new research, Bill Gates from Microsoft, Bill Gates would have to spend $1 million a day for 218 years to expend all of his wealth. George Soros is supposed to be worth $24.2 billion. And when someone asked George Soros, do you believe in God? He answered no. Warren Buffett is reported to be worth $72.6 billion. And when someone asked Warren Buffett about his faith, he said, I'm too mathematical and too logical to make that leap of faith. And I want to say to Warren Buffett, you will become a believer one of these days. No wonder Jesus said in Matthew 19, 24, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, there's nothing wrong with being rich. I'm not preaching against riches. Some of our people are, uh, are blessed and, and we're all blessed. If we're breathing, we're blessed, amen? Uh, but I'm just saying this. Some people have more money. Some people have less money. Uh, here's, the, here's the truth. You can be sincere apart from Jesus and you can be successful apart from Christ Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get this one, number, number next. A person can be a servant apart from Christ. Turn over, if you will, to Matthew 7, 21. Matthew 7, 21. You can be sincere apart from the Lord. You can be very successful apart from Christ. You can even be a servant apart from Christ. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name have done many wonderful works? Look what Jesus says in verse 23, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Now, church, I promise I'm going somewhere with this. There's a lot of things you, you can do apart from Christ. You can be sincere. Man, you can be really sincere. You can be incredibly successful. You can even be a servant apart from Christ. But I want to really, really focus in on this fourth point. We're almost done. Number four, I wrote this down, a person can be a seeker apart from Christ. Now that's important because we're living in that seeker culture today, that, that seeker philosophy. Did you know that genuine salvation is more than religion? I, I'm, gonna be, I'm, I'm gonna be quite honest with you. We don't really promote religion at Calvary. You know why? Because you can be the most religious person and die and go to hell. 
And by the way, there's a lot of religious people in this world, and uh, some of those are some of the hardest people in the world to get along with. I mean, they're, but they're religious, man. They are religious, but, they're, but they are lost. It's more than being religious. It's more than being a good person. It's even more, listen to this, church, because I want, I want to help you. It's even more, salvation is even more than worshiping God. You say, Pastor, I know I'm going to heaven because I worship God. Friend, there's more to it than that. In fact, I want to take a moment before we close, and I want to show you. Would you take your Bibles and turn back to the book of Acts with me? The book of Acts, Acts chapter number 16 in your Bibles, and I want to show you some scripture. Man, oh man, um, just leaped off the page this week as I was studying and getting ready for the service this morning. Acts chapter 16 and verse number 13. Now, we read about, uh, we read about a lady who was who what some refer to as the first the very first European convert to Christianity. Her name was Lydia. Lydia, beautiful name. I want to show you a little bit about Lydia, if I could. Look, if you will, at Acts chapter 16, verse number 13. The Bible says, and on the Sabbath, this is Paul and Silas, and on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a river, and this is interesting, look at this, where prayer was wont to be made. In other words, this was a place where prayer, they often had prayer, prayer meetings, And so the place that Paul and Silas found Lydia was at a prayer meeting of all places, a prayer meeting where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. Look at verse 14. And a certain woman named Lydia, notice the next phrase, a seller of purple. You know what that tells me? She was successful. Not everybody sold purple. Usually purple was was worn by royalty. Very special, very uh, fabulous, very expensive. And the Bible says she was a seller of purple, so we believe that Lydia was very successful. The Bible says of the city of Thyatira, so that tells me she was settled. She had a home and, and probably a nice home, and she settled in Thyatira. But I want you to look at the next line. The Bible says, which worshiped God. So Lydia was sincere, Lydia was successful, and Lydia was a seeker. Man, if you were to ask Lydia, Lydia, have you ever worshiped God? Oh, yes, I worship God. I worship God. The Bible's very clear about that. The Bible says, which worshiped God, look what the rest of the verse says here, heard us whose heart the Lord opened. That she attended under the things which were spoken of Paul, and when she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. Listen, church, Lydia was a seeker. Lydia was somebody that, that if you would have said, Hey, Lydia, go to church, she'd go. If you would have said, Lydia, we're going to have prayer meeting, you want to go to prayer meeting? She'd go to prayer meeting. She was going to prayer meeting. I mean, she was a good lady. She was a successful lady. She was sincere in heart. But here's the thing. Lydia, although she was a worshiper of God, Lydia had never come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I have a question for you. You say, Pastor, I'm a worshiper of God. Wonderful. But here's my question. Have you ever come to a saving knowledge of Jesus? Have you ever come to that place where you've opened your heart to him and let Jesus come in and be your Savior. Hey, friend, it's more than singing in the choir. It's more than playing an instrument. It's more than walking through the door of a church. 
It's more than just going through the motions. Now I want to show you, just in case there's somebody here this morning you're not convinced, I'm going to show you one more example. You're in the book of Acts. I want you to turn back a few pages to, to Acts, chapter number, Acts chapter number 8. Now this is mind-blowing what I'm about to show you. Acts chapter number 8. And look at verse number 27. And here in this story, we're reading about a, what the Bible refers to as an Ethiopian eunuch. We're not exactly sure what his name, what, what his personal name was, but, but he's a man of great authority. The Bible does tell us that. And, uh, and Acts chapter number eight and verse 27. The Bible says, and he arose. This is Philip that is talking about, and he, Philip. And he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, you know what that means? He was successful. Apart from Christ, he was successful. A eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure. Wow, this guy's really something. Look at this next part, church. This is so important. The Bible says, and had come to Jerusalem to worship. You know, most scholars believe that this Ethiopian eunuch, listen to this, most scholars believe he traveled over 15 hundred miles to come to Jerusalem to worship. He came there to worship. But we have a problem. Even though he's a worshiper, he's lost. Look what the Bible says, verse 28. He's come to Jerusalem for to worship. He's traveled many miles, 1,500 probably. Verse 28, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. In other words, he's on his way home now from Jerusalem, and somehow or another, he has been able to get a copy of the book of Isaiah. He has a, 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 a copy of, of, uh, of Isaiah's prophetic book. I probably bought it, I would say. They're probably very, very expensive, very cherished. And so he's in his chariot, and he's reading Isaiah, and verse 29, then the Spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him, heard him read the prophet Isaiah. Now, wait a minute now. He's successful. He's sincere. He's traveled over 1,500 miles to worship God. He's even reading the Bible. And Philip said, understandest thou what thou readest? Verse 31, and he said, how can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. Now, church, I'm almost done. The, the wheels are on the runway, but hear me out. You can be a mighty good person and be lost. You can be a good citizen and be lost. You can even be a good dad, a good mom, and be lost. Why, you can even be a good church member and be lost. There's a lot of things you can do apart from Jesus Christ. There's a lot of things that you can do apart from Christ. But there's one thing you can't do apart from Jesus. You cannot be saved. Apart from Christ, you cannot be saved. You're here this morning and you say, preacher, I attend worship services regularly. Uh, preacher, I'm, I'm religious. Preacher, I keep the law. Uh, pastor, I kneel to pray every day. Pastor, I pray the rosary. Preacher, I make confessions to the priest at our, our, at our church. Uh, but this is what I'm saying. You can do a lot of things apart from Jesus, but you can't ever be saved. Amen. You say, pastor, I wish you, wouldn't, I wish you wouldn't tell me that. I'm not telling you that. God's telling you that. Right. It, listen, I didn't write the mail. I just delivered. I'm just the mailman. But God said, hey, you go there and tell them. 
that apart from Jesus, they can't be saved. Old story. Three men are trying to escape an enemy. Maybe they've broken out of prison or something and and the guards and the dogs are after these three men and they're running. They're running through the forest. It's dark, dark of the night. Really don't know where they are, can't, don't, don't know where they're going, but they're just running through the forest. They can hear the dogs barking. They're getting closer and closer and these men are running and they're just doing their best to try to evade you know, evade these guards and finally they, 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 they come to a, a stopping point. They come to the edge of a cliff and then there's a, a long fall and down there's the ocean and jagged rocks and the waves are crashing up on the rocks and going out and, and they, they, they can't go any further. Well, they can't go back. The dogs are coming. The guards are coming. They can't go back. They can't go fur- any further because of the, of the cliff. And they notice something that night. They notice in the dark of the night that the moon is full. In fact, it was one of those nights when the moon, the moon just looked, it looked like it was so close that you could just reach out and you could touch it almost. And, and so those men begin to, they, they begin to talk in their, in their desperate uh, situation. And they said, here's what we can do. If we can jump from this cliff, if we can somehow jump to the moon, we can get away from the guards. And so they all said, that's it. That's what we got to do. I mean, it's close. I think we can make it. I think we can. The first man was somewhat crippled and, and he backed up as far as he could and, and just sort of hobbled over to the edge of the cliff and he jumped with all of his might. And you know the story, gravity took over and his body fell and it hit those jagged rocks and the ocean came up those waves and it took his broken body out to the ocean. The next man said, I've got to do better. I could do better than that. I can do better than him. I'm a better jumper than he is. I think I'm sharper than he is. And so he backed up a little bit further. Man, he psyched himself out. He ran to the edge of the cliff. And man, he reached with all of his might for that moon. And sure enough, you know the story, don't you? Gravity took over. And his body fell and it hit those rocks, those jagged rocks. And his body was broken. And the waves came up and got his body and took his body out to the sea. The last man was the most athletic. He was in good health. And he said, I know the first guy didn't make it, and I know the second guy didn't make it. But he said, I know I can because I'm a positive thinker. I know I can, I know I can, I think I can, I think I can. I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. And I know last week, I, you know, I confessed to the priest and, and I prayed the rosary and, and, uh, and I went to church and, and I watched uh, a religious program and, and I think I can do it, I think I can do it, I, I think I can do it, I think I can. And boy, he just really, really psyched himself out. He got his back as far as he could get and I mean, he mustered up every bit of energy that he had and he ran toward the edge of that cliff and I'm telling you, he really did. He ran faster than the other two. He stretched further than the other two and man, just like, it, just when it looked like he he was going to make it. Well, you know the story, don't you? Gravity took over and that man fell. And his body was crumpled on those rocks and broken. And the waves came up and grabbed that lifeless body and took it out to the ocean. You see, what those men didn't understand was this. Although the moon looked close 
It was over 220,000 miles away. Church, listen to me. We're fooling ourselves. If we think somehow that we can jump to the righteousness of God, that we can jump to heaven, somehow I'm good enough. This guy may not make it, this lady may not make it, that guy right there may not make it, but I can make it. I can make it. Friend, you can't make it. Apart from Christ, you'll never make it. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Forty, goodness, how can this even be? Forty-one, forty-two years ago. I was a church kid, a deacon's kid, a Sunday school teacher's kid. Grew up in church. Mom and dad took us to church every single Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We were there. Mom was a Sunday school teacher. Dad was chairman of the deacons. We were there every single Sunday. But when I was about 15 years old, the Holy Spirit stopped by. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you need to get saved. And I reminded the Lord, but Lord, my dad's a deacon. He said, oh, I know but you need to get saved. I said, Lord, but my mom, my mom's one of the godliest ladies I know. He said, oh yeah, I know her well. And mom teaches a Sunday school class. Oh yes, he said, I I know that, but you need to get saved. And I said, but Lord, I said, everybody thinks I'm saved. My preacher thinks I'm saved and people think I'm saved and what are people gonna think if I get saved? And the Holy Spirit said, You better quit worrying about what other people think. And you better understand something, that you'll never be saved apart from Jesus Christ. And we'll thank God for the day. I came to my pastor's office. He took me in, sat me down. He began to go down the Romans road. He showed me how I was a sinner in need of a Savior. I was a sinner, desperate. Are y'all hearing me, church? Desperate. I wasn't a little bit lost. I was a lot lost. I was desperate for a Savior. I didn't need him just a little. I needed him desperately. And he showed me how I was a sinner, and he showed me how sin will take you to hell. He showed me if I, if I stayed that, that way, there was a destiny. My destiny was hellfire, damnation. But he also showed me some good news. He showed me how God loved me so much. That he sent his son Jesus Christ for me and Jesus came and he bled and he suffered and he died and he paid the penalty for my sin on the cross of Calvary. They put him in a grave, but I got good news. He didn't stay there. And three days later, God raised him from the dead. And he's a living, resurrected, victorious, triumphant Savior. And he did all of that to save me. I realized that. And my pastor said, Stephen, do you think that's something you need to do? I said, yes, it is, preacher. It is. And although it's not a little prayer, it's not some kind of magic prayer that saves you, I remember opening my heart to the Lord and just say something like this, Lord, I don't want to die and go to hell. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again from the dead, and I want you to save me. And that day, I opened my heart to Christ. And you know what happened? 
God saved my soul. Now, have I been perfect since then? Not perfect, but forgiven. Forgiven. And thank God my name is in the Lamb's book of life. And one of these days, I'm going to heaven. Here's my question. How about you? How about you? Pastor, I'm religious. That's not enough. Preacher, I'm a seeker. That's not enough. Pastor, I'm really sincere in what I believe. That's not enough. It's got to be Jesus. Will you bow your heads with me all over the house this morning? I want to ask a question or two in the quietness of this moment, and we're going to let you go. How many are here right now with heads bowed and eyes closed, and you'd say, Pastor, if I died today, now I want you to be honest between you and the Lord. Pastor, if I died today, I know beyond any shadow of a doubt, preacher, I know, I know, I know, I know that I'm born again. And on my way to heaven, if that's you this morning without anybody looking, you just very quietly slip up your hand as a testimony to that. Hallelujah. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you. You can lower your hands. I want to ask you this question, though. Come on now. I want you to be honest with me. How many are sitting in this room right now this morning and you say, Pastor, in all honesty, I could not raise my hand. If I died, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. But Pastor, I want to go. I do want to go to heaven. I'm just not sure that I would. And I care enough to slip up my hand and let you pray for me. I'll not pray for you by name, but God will know who you are. Preacher, I care enough to slip up my hand and let you pray for me. I want to go to heaven. I just don't know that I would. And pastor, would you pray for me? If that's you right now, would you just slip your hand up? Just slip it up. I see that hand, and I see a hand right there. And I see a hand right there. And I see that little hand right there. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? You'd let me pray for you? Come on. Just raise it up real high. Just wave it at me. I see that hand. Anybody else? Pastor, I see that hand right there. Thank you. Anybody else? Pastor, I, I want to go to heaven. I'm just not sure that I would. And I care enough to slip up my hand and let you pray for me. Is there anybody else before I pray? Anybody else? I see that hand right there. Anybody? Anybody else? Would you very quietly do me a favor? Would you stand all over the house this morning? Father, thank you for the privilege of being able to preach Jesus this morning. Lord, thank you for reminding us in Scripture that there is no other way to salvation other than Christ. Father, I thank you for these hands that have been raised. And God, I pray here in just a moment that you would give them courage to just step out and come and let somebody take a Bible and show them how they can be saved, how they can be born again. I pray that they'll come today. And God, I pray that you'll use this message to burden our hearts for the lost. 
Lord, to get the gospel to this lost and dying world. We may have loved ones that we care deeply about, but they're lost. God, burden our hearts. Oh, God, burden our hearts for our lost family members and our loved ones. Have your way in this invitation, please. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Our personal workers are already in the altars. Hey, if you're here this morning and you raised your hand and you said, Pastor, I'm not sure that I'm going to heaven, but I want to go. Or maybe you didn't raise your hand, but there's a need. Would you just slip out right now? Would you just slip out and just come? And we have somebody here that would like to meet you with the Bible and just show you how you can know. Would you come while we wait? Some are in the altars. Are there others? Preacher, I want to go, just not sure I would. Would you come? Would you come? And I, I understand these aisles, they seem so long. Why don't you do this? Why don't you ask the person beside you if they would come with you? They'll come. Hey, would you go? Would you go with me today? They'll come with you. Will you come while we wait? Whatever you do, don't miss heaven. So, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your blessings. And God, I thank you for what you're doing in the altars right now. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do your perfect work. Oh, God, I pray that you'll help us to know that we know. Father, what I'm preaching today is not a joke. Lord, this is serious. This is serious business. There most certainly is a heaven to gain, but there is a hell to shun. Father, there's a hell to miss. And God, that's why we're here at Calvary Baptist Church, so we can introduce people to the Savior. God, I pray that you'll continue to work now. God, have your way. Help hearts to be tender, sensitive. And God, we thank you and praise you.